0: Yo, are Julian on the brown notes and finally getting into the six or seven new albums I've got. With review of the latest album by Swans called The Beggar, their 16th studio album. If you don't know anything about Swans, they began at the end of the 70s, led by Michael Gira, who's their only uh, consistent member throughout multiple phases of the band's existence. They were a notorious live act and developed a reputation as the loudest band on earth and one that locked the doors to stop the audience fleeing. And they became synonymous with an intensity and the name swans for me always represented that a swan is so beautiful and graceful but of ill temper and violence and I thought that was one of the most fitting names of any band the early songs and albums throughout the 80s were much shorter barbarism absolute barbarism industrial proto-industrial music i've always called the medieval torture music really um and they grew and grew in stature one of the only bands to sort of come out of that whole no wave thing at the start of the 80s and have gotten better consistently throughout their lifespan by the 90s they were delivering these in massive two hour long two and a half hour long I think one album and went into a hiatus for quite a few years um, before having this second life Um, and they came back and had one of the best runs of the last decade Um, I'll just get up the um, the gap between the albums Um, Jira never stopped making music So when we have Soundtracks to the Blind, which I think was two and a half hours, let's have a look. Yeah, it's nearly two and a half hours long. <laughs> There's, Swans are a commitment band. They're not a casual listening band. Um, they came back in 2010, so a 14-year gap. My Father Will Guide Me Up A Rope To The Sky, and then they hit the greatest run of any rock act in the last decade, which was The Seer and To Be Kind, back-to-back landmark classics, and followed it with a come-down of The Glowing Man, which was the end of that phase of Swans, the group of musicians that he'd built up over these four two-hour-long albums that often had two-hour-long live albums in between to fund the next release, multiple hours. I saw them on tour, it was one of the best live experiences of my life i'll never forget having a cigarette outside the venue and every time the doors opened everyone cowered, knowing they were going back in and i had cigarette filters in my ear but that the religious spirituality of the volume being so loud it became something other than volume it was it was transcendental it was an incredible live experience but they also impressed me amazingly by barely referencing any old music so we got about half an hour of a two-hour set that were reworks of music from to be kind and about an hour and a half which was entirely new music which would end up on the glowing man they never stop he never stops moving so since um, the glowing man in 2016 He's been reimagining what swans are and moving it into a new space. And I thought the the Leaving Meaning was a very underappreciated album, really. Um, But I guess it was more a collection of good songs rather than what this album is, The Beggar. Uh, So Leaving Meaning was 2019, and The Beggar's another two-hour-long album. And the other thing they do is they usually have a song that's half an hour long. On this album, they've got a song that is actually 44 minutes long, which is... 40 sphere yeah, 44 minutes song this one's a more cohesive artistic vision um, and I would have said that back on albums and live they back around the time of to be kind they were the greatest rock act on planet Earth and there was plenty of inroads into their music it wasn't all barbarism and a lot of their tracks are like over 10 minutes and they've got really beautiful sort of builds towards this crushing intensity um, but this time around, it's a it's a it's a paradigm shift. It does reference the past, and it's difficult to outrun what they've already done um, a lot of the time. But I found some very different, interesting. Well, for a style lyrically, this is one of the most interesting records Michael has ever done. It's a very sort of metaphysical, uh, existential album about life and death. He's I think 69 years old. Uh, nearly died from an asthma attack a few years back and had to give up smoking and um, that's what the song Oxygen from To Be Kind was about it's a really poetic album and the lyrics are very direct and clean and at the listener Uh, and on a lyrical level it might be his most interesting album which is saying a lot Uh, the opener Parasite uh, it shows that this is a sort of well I I use medieval it's hard not to with Swans but a lot of this music is led acoustically, acoustic guitars and acoustic uh, instrumentation, a very gothic feel to it. They have been down that road sort of at the start of the 90s a bit. Um, the lyrics are really good on this album, very visceral and sort of physical Um it does it did it's it's the the pounding climaxes of um a lot of the previous music and the heaviness is not really that apparent on this compared to their re- uh, last sort of three or four albums um paradise is mine um it could fit on to be kind i like female vocals in swan's music on this album there's a lot of them his wife included which i think is a really good move and the production here is beautiful. It's very nice production on this. A lot of the music here is, surpri- apart from occasionally being very ominous and dark and lyrically dark, it's actually really quite pleasant to listen to. Um, it does, about the halfway stage, get very sinister. Um, but not in a way that we haven't heard before. And it is a tiny bit ponderous. Um, Los Angeles City of Death is a real rarity for them. and It's a three and a half minute track. Um, Which is almost unheard of in their recent iterations. Um, Very velvet underground again. Death and mortality run throughout the album. Um, It's a bit trad. I like the female voices again, and it's got this beautiful whining guitar that goes through the background uh, and a great bass. Bass crops up a lot on this album, where I noticed the bass lines. Actually, would I think it's one of those would be stronger if they'd have made it into a full, you know, nine-minute banger. Um, It feels more like a fragment. Michael has done maybe the centrepiece of the album. He's got the most self-referential lyrics, stuff like Counting Insects. Ben Frost appears on this album, a guy that's done a a lot of avant-garde electronic music, and I've featured some of his albums on the radio as well, uh, which shows synth lines coming through in a manner that I think is more prominent than I've heard on the, the last few albums and uh, larry mullins as well so ben frost and aussie icelandic aussie and larry mullins isn't the father of the drummer of u2 but he has this australian connection to being a drummer for nick cave and the bad seeds the song's very interesting direct lyrics um, give way probably one third in to the most beautiful coda um i heard it described as kind of often i feel like the only band that really gets into sort of like the codas and the almost free jazz style stuff is spiritualized um and um i don't know i think you know it's almost a bit Brian Eno at times it is a lovely coda for about six minutes and jennifer gira his wife is on there as well uh, unforming um probably at this stage i'm thinking this is the easiest listening swans album it's quite slight but it's also got alt country which is a vibe that i pick up a fair bit on this and uh, sort of reminiscent of the early 90s and uh, i thought the freedom coda in an album from a band synonymous with death and destruction and violence on an album that is about death a lot it's um the whole freedom freedom from fear um a lot of it's surprisingly optimistic. Um, another great coda. Uh, the beggar, the title track, When Will I Finally Learn to Live, very much more brooding and menacing than the previous tracks. And it hits the most punishing grind on the album so far. It really is the, the first half of the album, which is a whole album, 70-minute album. Really does hang together as a coherent artistic statement, and part of me wonders whether it could have been released on its own. Um, I feel that way a little bit about uh, the Lana Del Rey album as well, when it got to that really great point that was very cathartic and it's a very long album, whether it needed the other tracks. Um, but um, it still works as a great coder, and they're not going to give us an album under two hours. Um, no more of this is another slight song, but very pretty and melodic and um, ebbing as well. Um, very gentle, um, coherent, and a lot of these tracks. A lot of these tracks aren't on their own that striking, but for this first seventy minutes of the album, uh, they yield a cumulative power and very cathartic. And I think that's where I might have ended um that album the um track ebbing um uh, what have what uh, can't i have what i want anytime that i want is kind of an interim track before we move on to the second album basically uh the lyrics though even if the track itself probably isn't as um satisfying uh, musically as a predecessor ebbing um the the lyrics i'm your supplicant i'm your whore I'm unconscious on your floor. I'm reaching for your door. And I often feel like Swans and Lingua Ignota um, have sort of like this parallel universe they exist in of medieval torture music. Um, But very dark lyrics. Um, From then on, we move into the, The Beggar Lover in brackets three, which is 44 minutes long. Now, they've done these long tracks before, but this is very different. So the Seer... And um, to be kind, had these enormous sort of thirty-five minute tracks, and they built over time into colossal, pounding, um, intense tracks. You know, after twenty minutes, it was just like this wall zone so going off, and then a the final ten minutes of it all sort of coming down. This isn't like that at all. It really reminded me of the track Bel Air by Can. It is a collage montage. Not of one track building and building and in that way i don't often didn't find it sounded that long because it's you're continually moving between different modes and i found a lot of it to be really really good there's some thundering drums at the start um just incredibly loud and this great ominous horror sci-fi bit and then it goes into this really brooding sort of um uh, rock passage, which sort of takes it through to 10 minutes, which is very satisfying. And then you get almost like the Beatles Revolution number nine a lot of spoken word stuff, children reciting nursery rhymes and um, found uh, noise like field recordings in the background. I thought it was an excellent track. I know it's going to be one of the more controversial, and um, whether or not people regard it as coherent all the way through. I thought, for the most part, the different elements were exciting uh, and interesting, and it ends on. And actually, the the memorius is actually quite pulverizing for a final track. It it is not the best track on the album, uh, was it? What have I written down here? Sucking dust, sweating copper tears, it is pretty intense stuff. Um, it is a fine track again. Um, overall i thought this was a fine album and the most coherent post glowing man reimagining of the band and pointed in a lot of really interesting direction the voices of children and women and nursery rhymes and meditations on existentialism and the whole coda thing of um that final track or the the sort of final half of the album were really good i think i would probably go on their recent run of albums i'd go the seer 9.5 Nine and a 9.5 out of 10, To Be Kind, 10 out of 10, Glowing Man, 9 out of 10, Leaving Meaning, 8 out of 10, and this album, The Beggar, I'm going to go 8.5 out of 10 for the arguably still the greatest or most interesting rock act on earth.